because of foreign wars we wage. More to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the dancing wind. Taking your rights to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble host, Tim Tap Committee, alive from historic Rowan County, Tennessee. And it has just continued to be one hit after another. 2020 rolls on, and we are here just to chronicle it as we slide through. Want to give a quick shout out to a couple of folks in the BTR chat room right now, real quick. We got uh, Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life. You can find him at Blog Talk Radio whenever you like. Uh, just put in QMCUSN. And that'll take you right to him. Or if you're driving around right now, you're listening to the rebroadcast, maybe uh, if you have a hard time remembering that, uh, just put in Simple Facts of Life. It'll work just the same. Scroll down a little, you'll find it there. And you can join him live on Tuesdays starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can adjust your time zone accordingly. also want to give a shout-out to Crazy Cajun, who's hanging out with us in the chat room as well. Hey, Cajun, glad to see you. Happy to have you along for the ride. And on the line with me right now is one of the greatest Americans you are ever likely to meet. It's assuming you're ever lucky enough to meet him. Ladies and gentlemen, the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, my friend, Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very well. I thank you for having me on once again. All right. Well, you know, I don't know how we can let our guard down for even a second at this point. There's just so much to get into and so much to watch and the the level 
of whitewashing and gaslighting at this point <laughs> is just off the charts. I, I mean, I thought it was a bold interpretation when I read 1984, but as it turns out, perhaps that was not even the slightest inkling of how far these people are willing to take it. Ron, you and I are immediately castigated as soon as we even pose the possibility that, you know what, uh, that looks a little screwy there. Maybe it might have even possibly been a systemic effort to engage in some level of voter fraud. Uh, yet the evidence keeps building up. The evidence keeps showing. We've now found three separate uh, uh, dumb drives here of multiple batches of votes in Georgia, uh, all of which uh, a huge advantage for Donald Trump. But you know they're legitimate because they're not 100 percent for Trump. Um, in fact, some of the third party uh, candidates got in on the action uh, in some of these voting. But a steady increase in the votes the whole way, big time pressure. Donald Trump announced just a little while ago on the deadline uh, in uh, Wisconsin going big, uh, picked uh, handpicked certain counties where he thinks the most fraud took place, dropping a cool $3 million of cash to push for the recounts in there. All right. the, the action just continues, Ron, and we still hear nothing from legacy media and Fox News, who has either chose to join them out of fear or chose to join them because a lot of these folks that worked there them were part of this all along. But either way, if you're following mainstream outlets, you probably have no clue that Joe Biden isn't the president-elect. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It, you know, <clears throat> I laugh and, and things of that nature, but in reality, this is really some sad stuff. You've got um, in Michigan, for example, uh, I, you know, Republicans uh, – I wish there was a third party that I could join and, and just get away from the Republicans and that uh, stand up – other stand-up people like uh, Trump and others would – we could all just leave and make a third party uh, that could be larger than the Republican Party because uh, here in Michigan, for example, ah, the Board of Elections of Wayne County, which is headquartered in Detroit. Now, the Republican ones, it's, it's, it's four members. And two are Republican, two are Democrat. So the two Republicans said, no, you know what? We're going to hold out. We're not going to vote to certify uh, this election. And that would have allowed it to, to play its course and um, eventually would have either gone to court or the electors would have been allowed to uh, make the selection for president. But here you had these white liberals white bastard liberals in just caved in on them and they they had some of these guys white i i can't stand these white liberal men yapping at these people telling them shame on you you're being racist and you're hurting these black mothers and see all they're doing and you know you may find this to be vulgar for me to say this uh tim but i can support what i'm saying with examples, uh, many in corporate America, but these liberal white bastard leftist men, and then they, they, they yap about, oh, and you're, you're hurting the, the black mothers, and this, that, and the other. 
because you're not allowing this to go forth for, for, for Biden. He's won. He's won. And it's for the good of the black people. And the only reason why they do that is because they pander and they get to screw a bunch of black females. And this is the, this is the doggone truth. This is very, very rampant. Uh, more rampant than people want to admit. So all that's uh, that's all that is when you see these white guys yapping, just going at it, attacking black Republicans, attacking Republicans in general, and they and they're talking about well you're just uh, you're harming the black vote, and guess what happened? The two Republicans said okay, we'll bend over, we'll grab our ankles too, and we'll go ahead and vote to certify the Michigan election. I was furious. I was furious out of uh, I was out of my mind furious. I really believe had I been in front of that guy that that particular individual who was just screaming and screaming about the black female and I probably would have punched the guy. I I think I would have decked him and knocked him knocked him out because um nothing few things infuriate me more than when I see these white freaking liberals, I'm sorry, leftists pandering mainly to the black female because they're communists like uh, Bernie Sanders and they like to do that to pander because there's a lot of black dumb females that they can screw on the side and I'm telling you if you think I'm a liar I can write a column and prove my case on this and this is this is this is thick as thieves um Tim, I don't know. I, I'm not as optimistic about the chances as as, as um, I was. Not because I don't think Trump didn't win. I, I believe he did win. But I didn't take into consideration this level of chicanery. I knew there would be some. I knew there would be a lot. But I didn't know it would get to this point. Yeah. This was this was beyond my imagination because I, I I was focused too much, I guess, on the good possibilities, and here we are, because we have too many wimps and ankle grabbers in the Republican Party who are scared of those those white leftist bullies, and of course there were some black ones there, but the ones that they featured were in this particular case were these white male. Bullies, and, you, and of course you had the black females in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, this is sick. This society is sick. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron, I, I don't disagree with you, and I don't doubt your assertion. Um, I'm don't 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 even really want to go too far into that because at, at the end of the day, uh, regardless of the motivation, the fact that this is going on. Is the problem, and the fact that nobody's willing to stand up that's in a position and actually honor an oath that they took if they are an office holder, honor the responsibilities of the job they have if they're supposed to be uh, watching and certifying elections. The fact that they're willing to certify an election even though they have <clears throat> anomalous uh, results that they cannot explain, doesn't that make them – Involved with fraud? I mean, isn't that the definition of isn't this criminal? Yes, 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 it is. 
the I, the only good thing in this, Tim, is the fact that when it's all said and done, because they may have to wait until the election is actually certified, and then they go into litigation. Yeah. Someone said that they have to wait till. That's why they haven't gone to as far you know as they should in in the court system. Something about waiting until it's certified, and then they go to litigation and they get before the Supreme Court. And I know we have a good chance with five of the of the justices. I'm kind of I'm a little nervous about Kavanaugh too, but if he if he holds true to his claims anyway. As to who he is, it, it's a five-four majority, and will win in the in the Supreme Court. And um, I have a funny feeling that's that's this is the way it's going to play out, and we just have to deal with the frustration until it gets there, and then we get the re- the right results. Then we have to uh, put up with the uh, street cretins, what they're going to do, and then um, they'll be put down. And uh, you know, America will turn. You know, we'll get back to the business of rebuilding this country. In the right direction, but we're going to have to go through this. It's maddening, and it's just the good news about this. Also, is that if Sidney Powell, the great attorney, is 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 telling the truth, when you consider, according to her, 80 million people voted for Trump, so you know that's going to be seen. And then when you put that against all the cheating. In numerous states, oh man, it's it's um, in Michigan. You've got 350 percent more votes than actual registered voters, and that's when you include all uh, 3,000 uh, precincts or whatever. Right, but but you have to move along, Ron. Move along. Nothing to see there. Don't, don't, don't even look at it. Just, just keep going. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do, right? That's what they're telling us. There's nothing there. A lot of nothing, man. You know, here's the thing, and ultimately, and I've heard some people try to use this as an argument. People that are supposed to be on the conservative side of things, and and again, I think a lot of them generally are, but they're so accustomed to be being beaten down, they don't understand this is a hill to die on. This is far too important not to take the stand. But I've heard a lot of them say, well, you know, sure, there's some level of voter fraud, but there's always some. And my response to that, Ron, and, and I, I'm pretty sure you'll agree for the most part, is yes, sure, there is always in every election we've had some level of voter fraud. Some of it not even intentional. But the question always comes down to a few simple basic things. Number one, is there enough fraud to actually overturn the end result of the election? Most of the time, I think the answer to that is no. However, the closer the election, the more likely a few key locations, as we saw this time, the bigger of an impact it has. And number two, is it the act of lone individuals or is it in a general systemic effort to continue to test the limits of the electorate and to force the outcomes they want while still allowing the populace to believe the people have spoken. I think we've seen a really good case in this instance, including the Dominion uh, machines in use here that were at this point have been heavily documented to have been designed specifically 
for Hugo Chavez and then Maduro after him for the specific purpose of faking up elections. But still, we're told, Rod, we're told, nothing to see here. Move along. Biden is president-elect. How dare you suggest anything else? At what point are we going to be able to flip this script? Because we've got to continue to reach enough people, and and we're the only ones out here saying it, Ron, you, me, uh, any other conservative with a microphone and the nerve to stand up and say, hey, guys, there's a lot of smoke over here because there's some dadgum fire. You're right, you're, you're right man. It's it's funny, but then at the same time, I could cry. I, I feel like half and half, he's an old detective in the Dick Tracy um, serials. Um Half of me is crying and the other half is cracking up because everything you just said is just it, – it's just the way it is. And um, we have to continue to push the truth out there. But here's the thing that I've, I've realized too. Yes, there's a lot of people that um, – there, well, there are some people that are misinformed on the issue. But what I'm discovering is that the majority of people that are pushing back and saying, ah, there's nothing there, wah, 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 wah. In reality, that's what they're saying. But the reality is they're in agreement with what they're pushing while pretending they believe that ah, there's really nothing there. And I'm talking about laymen out there, people that philosophically agree with the leftist Democrat uh, party. That's why you had the popular vote, which is larger for uh, Biden than, than than for Trump. But I think when it comes to the swing states, that's where Trump got a huge amount of votes. But you still have a huge amount of people out there who agree with all this, with all the damage that Biden wants to do, especially uh, younger people, the generation be- behind you and I, the millennials. Um, they want to they want to kill this nation off. They've been taught that it's a horrible place. Um, my in fact, my own son's high school, just about all white high school. They taught him about white privilege, and he and he said, he told me one day, he said, Dad, had I not grown up where where I've grown up and had all the wonderful friends that I have, I would believe what they told me in school about white people and this nation. And so can you imagine in a lot of areas where you don't have that and they grow up and they're not around a lot of white folks, they're not around a lot of people that um, whatever, successful, and they see another side and then they think, oh, those other people way over there that are successful, they hate us, they hate me. Well, he saw a lot of the opposite of that. And so you have a lot of people that are successful, that are doing well, but they agree with it. And that's why – but they pretend and act like, oh, okay, you can believe that if you want to. They have us fooled into thinking that they're fooled, but they're not fooled. They're pretending to be that way because they actually agree and with, with, with what's going on. And the proof of it is all you have to do is say anything. Boo about President Trump with no evidence, nothing. They jump right on it as if it's the gospel. 
Well, because it is about the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, okay. the climate arsonist. So clearly, clearly he's a bad Okay, or Republicans. They don't need evidence right. about if it's someone that is supposedly the opposite of their philosophical base. So it's not like they don't know and they, do, they don't know that they don't know. They do know, but – they're part of the army of disagreeing with our constitutionally limited way of life, uh, as they call it, capitalism, which should be free market economics. Yeah. We're dealing with a real diabolical evil population today. Yeah, completely indoctrinated, completely brainwashed into believing that it's right, and it's it's viable here because they've never had to deal with. The actual results of true socialism or even worse, communism, they haven't seen Wait firsthand. Wait a minute. Some have. I disagree, Tim. Some have. Um, in fact, millions of Americans have dealt with abject poverty, which is based upon the uh, – which was derived from socialist communist policies, whether it's Detroit, whether it's East St. Louis, whether it's – well, it's shrinking now, but the east side of Cleveland, it's being redeveloped. But for years, it was hell on earth. Um, Bedford-Stuyvesant, you name it. Those are just as socialist as anywhere on earth. Millions of Americans have already – they're already living under socialism in their own pockets, in their own locales. So we've got socialism in America, and, and, and this nation, by the way, operates by all but I believe but one of the communist manifesto dictates. So all right. it's here. I, I, I stand corrected. I see your point. I accept it. But I will still say that for most of those people, they still haven't had to not get bread because they were too far at the end of the line. They haven't had to to decide that uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to have to upgrade my cell phone because uh, you know we've we've lived at this level, but they still haven't seen the full on abject poverty because again the poorest of people in this country are still uh, pretty high middle class compared to the rest of the world, and that's another very tragic thing that most people in this country don't understand. But my point I was trying to get to. And again, I, I do accept your uh, mentality there. Is they haven't seen it in its full flowering glory, uh, where you have Bernie Sanders talking about how it's great to have bread lines because it means there's bread for the people to stand in line for. Uh, just the <laughs> circular lotion. Here's here's the thing. I, one of the things that I wanted to, to talk to you about, I was planning on bringing it up a little later, but you talked about the youth, the young people that are firmly behind this that have been uh, passionately brought into the cause, if you will. They're, not that anybody could have predicted this, mind you, but they're already threatening the Biden administration. They're already threatening Gavin Newsom in California if they don't select the right replacement for Kamala Harris. Yep. These people are so deluded that they honestly believe they're the ones that handed Biden the presidency, although that technically hasn't happened yet for the record, and I do not concede it. But if they honestly were the driving force behind this, Ron, they wouldn't have had to hide behind Weekend at Bernie's uh, 
barely there Beijing Biden. They could have just ran Kamala. They could have just ran Spartacus. They could have just ran Bernie. But they knew they couldn't win a national election with those guys. The party did. The party has created this secondary base, and they've indoctrinated them, and they've created a violent subculture that's willing to take to the streets, and they're already promising to do so. And this will be way worse under a Biden administration if that's the game they end up playing because there's nobody there that has the spine to stop these folks, not at the level that it needs to be done. So again, Ron, at this point, why is it that… Only conservatives with the courage to call this out have been sounding this alarm bell, and we still have people like Kamala and uh, the few other Elizabeth Warren types that are still just trying to whitewash this and pretend like there is no debt uh, – well, debt, uh, no uh, danger from the likes of Antifa and the organization uh, BLM Incorporated. Why do they pretend there's no danger from BLM and, and Antifa? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah, because – yeah, okay. Because here, herein lies the rub. They see Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the others, as well as many of their policies as tools for the overthrow, the destruction of this country. That is why – they support the same reason they support open borders. Anything that is detrimental to the cohesiveness of this republic, whether it be human debris organizations or open borders, uh, giving all our money away to for student loan projects or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all part of the litany of ideas to bring about discord, not just discord, but uh, – uh, just to totally destroy this country, break it apart, take away the normalcy. One of the things about America up until very recently, no matter what went wrong, we were still very stable as a society. There used to be something called uh, American, American ingenuity. No matter what the problem was, boom, it, we'd quickly fix it. We'd put it down and we'd get, it, we'd get her done, as they say in Texas. And so um, they're trying to get rid of that because how else do you get rid of rugged individualism but through fear? Uh, I mean that's what they did in Germany. That's what they did elsewhere throughout the world, the, the Bolsheviks. I mean this is history repeating itself. But are we going to be – it happened in China under Mao after America turned her back on uh, – stabbed uh, Chiang Kai-shek in the back. It's the same thing over and over. It's an old, old, old saw that just keeps being used over and over and over when the people are dummied down, not just intellectually but morally to a certain level. These things are brought forth to bring about – these types of things are, are brought forth uh, to, to, to hasten the, uh, the, the destruction. And until we get our moral house back in order, which would improve our thinking processes, which would increase our willingness to fight this evil, until we change that, we will be sweating bullets every day. Oh, my God. Uh, is Trump going to really get back in or not? 
Oh, my God. Um, Lord have mercy. And you know the things that Joe Biden wants to do? It's over, man. It's curtains. I mean, we may not all physically die, but America will be dead as, as, as we know her. And it may be so damaged that we may not get it back in our lifetime. This is where we're at, and this is what they want. If you could get Kamala Harris or Kamala alone and get her to let her hair down. Let's be careful there, Ron. We know what happens when Kamala does this. Okay, well, <laughs> Bernie Sorry. or any of them, any of them. Okay. And, and even Mr. Brill Cream, uh, the rhino, the Utah rhino. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Any of these people, they don't give a darn about this this, this country. You think Biden gives a – if you don't believe me, if you think I'm exaggerating, tell me then. Tell me, tell me, tell me, do. As they used to say on Romper Room, why is it that Joe Biden, Mr. Scranton, Pennsylvania, middle class Mr. Lunch Bucket, why is it that he sold this nation out literally to China? Sold it out. He gave so many advantages, and the only reason why they're not all instituted against us right now is because of Donald John Trump. But he put things in motion under Ali Obama, and people were running around thinking that Joe Biden doesn't know what he's doing. That man is very evil, and he's the one that instituted all those under, underhanded things with uh, China. It wasn't Ali Obama that did that. That was him. And he has it in motion that once he gets in office, which I'm, oof, I have to smack myself for saying that, if he were to get in office, those things already agreed upon would be kicked in immediately. Yeah. And people like you and I, hey, man, <laughs> all I know is I hope you have uh, ammunition. Ammunition and a bug out position just off the coast where I can keep broadcasting because there will be America radio, even if America is under siege by Beijing Biden. Ron, we are past the halfway point oh, of the hour. And, you know, again, you can tell how good the conversation is by how fast it's going. And it feels like I, you just answered my call. But uh, we'll uh, we'll take this little mid-hour break. We'll come back to it. Uh, two topics I still want to get into. Uh, the, the next one, of course, is voices like ours and how there's already a major effort to silence us. We've been seeing it slow played. Now it's a big play, including we got a big push uh, an admission by the tech giants in front of Congress that they actually do coordinate with who they're working against. And uh, then, of course, uh, we will uh, we'll pick up the next after that. So uh, stay with me, sir. And all you guys out there listening, stay right where you're at as well. We'll be right back after this brief break. Ever since the pilgrims migrated to our North American shores, God was an integral part of society. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. From the days of infancy of our republic, God's promise in the biblical passage, 2 Chronicles 7:14, that he will hear the cry of a repentant and humble people and will heal their land, has motivated many American leaders to call citizens to prayer. In 1775, as it began the process of forming a new nation, the Continental Congress called for a day of prayer. At critical junctures during the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln called for the Republic to fast and pray. 
1952, President Truman signed a bill establishing an annual National Day of Prayer. Recently, President Trump called for a National Day of Prayer in which millions of Americans, including yours truly, engaged in prayer for our republic and sought forgiveness for our individual and national sins. I believe that because of the obedience of God's remnant of believers, there will be a resurgence of greatness in our nation. It will be so profound that America will once again be the envy of the world. A great republic, if we can keep it. I'm Ron Edwards. Enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show on WCETradio.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Become a WCET late-nighter today. What is a late-nighter, you ask? A late-nighter is a loyal listener who wants access to the WCET radio shows on demand and wants to contribute to the station's growth with an annual or monthly listener contribution. Late-nighters also get priority access to host call-in shows, special WCET swag, and late-nighter-only events on the network. Become an annual late-nighter and get a free WCET Stop the Censorship t-shirt sent directly to you all over the world. Just click one of Become a Late-Nighter buttons all over WCETradio.com to subscribe. Without you, there is no us. Late-Nighters, make sure you like and follow WCET Radio and all our shows on social media. Just click the channel you want at the top and bottom of our homepage. Then be sure to share with a friend and ask that friend to do the same. And you become the resistance. Yes, indeed, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we need more and more people to join the resistance because uh, if we do not, the republic, as she was founded, is in greater danger than ever before. And the very notions of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, hell, just freedom altogether at all. Well, they're on the line now, and that's no small thing, and it is not hyperbole. It is not not me overstating this. The stage has been set. The pawns have been moved into place, and now those folks – I use that term loosely – demonic forces, uh, probably more appropriate, uh, they're ready to pounce, and they think – The end game is here, but they don't realize how strong we still are together. So if you're listening right now at KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, or KDIL 105.7 FM in Kennewick, Washington, or KOII 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona, as well as WCET, well, if you're listening in any one of these locations right now, you are part of the resistance. If you're listening to this show, stay with us, join, support the people you know you can trust, and More importantly, watch your back. It's not a call to action. It's just a warning. This is this is a situation. Ron, uh, again, thank you so very much for uh, the usual uh, visit that you uh, grace me with on Wednesdays. I appreciate you being here this evening, and I want to give you an opportunity right here and now to let everybody know where they can find your work before we dig back into the conversation. 
And thank you so, so much, Tim. You can catch the, uh, the Edwards Notebook Commentary uh, overnights on um, nearly 300 radio stations during the Captain's America Third Watch radio broadcast. You can also catch the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show um, weekends on uh, AmericanMatters.us um, and uh, the Nevada Talk Radio Network on Saturdays as well at 5 p.m., um, that's uh, Pacific Time, as well as early in the day on <clears throat> AmericaMatters.us. That's at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific Time there as well. And uh, thank you very much, Tim. All right. I hinted at uh, one of the topics I wanted to uh, get to, and I do want to kind of finish up uh, with that topic. Uh, we'll, we'll hit there next, but remind me in case I get sidetracked. Uh, we still need to talk a little bit, too, about the Durham report and the law and order and just the general uh, idea of how much of this is motivated by fear and how much of it is motivated by being swamp-dwelling troll creatures. Uh, but before we do that, uh, this effort to squash voices like mine and yours and Annie's and Don Smith and, and Rod Eccles and, and anybody who has the nerve, you know, I mean we're not all – Tucker Carlson. We're not all Sean Hannity. We're not all Mark Levin. We don't get to occupy those top tier spots with the biggest audiences, but we all do huge, huge damage against the uh, efforts of leftists across the country because we spread truth and we bring a message of American greatness. And the, the true message of American greatness isn't that America is great. But that her people are capable of greatness. And when you when you believe for just a second, Ron, that you can help be part of something that special, it's really hard to look at this nation the way leftists want us to. But uh, what's your general take at this point on where we're at with the concerted effort to basically tell people like you and me to sit down and shut up? Well, um, well, my response is to tell them to shut up and, and, and back the hell up and uh, that we're not going anywhere, that we're going to continue to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and to do it more energetically as time goes on. And they will not stop us. They will not uh, get their way, not in our lifetime. They think they have the advantage right now. And it looks like it. If you were just to look at it uh, in a, in just real quickly or whatever, it, it may look like they do. But in reality, they don't because they're being fully exposed. And, uh, one, you know, you overplay your hand once you become so cocky. Um, but they, 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 they don't take into to, to, uh, account that, um, you know, there's a lot of guns out here. There's a lot of people that are getting tired of this stuff. And if you recall in history, one of the reasons why Japan decided against physically invading our country, he said, they said, no, we can't do that. There's an American behind every tree with a gun. And so they keep pushing us like they did at the, uh, the rally this past weekend, you know, after it's over and after it's dark. So they hit the fringes of the uh, of, of the rally, and the, the freaks come out and decide to attack. 
some of the fringe people that were more by themselves or whatever, where it was a smaller crowd. There was a couple of areas where there were more people and they were fighting back. But where the people really got hurt is when the uh, the thugs attacked them when they were alone. It was in the dark and everything. And But they're not going to stop us. They're only going to strengthen our resolve. Because when, when the day happens that we really decide to respond with the cap- with our capabilities they're going to be wiped out you know we keep we keep patiently waiting for the police to do their jobs they're told not to and you know police are just like the rest of us many of them are democrats and uh, they'll look the other way like some did in DC this past weekend and so uh, we're being forced you know I'm not selling wolf tickets or anything like that this is reality we're being forced into a certain course of action. And if it comes down to that, uh, we win, they lose. Yeah, the, the real problem for me with this whole situation, though, Ron, is the fact that uh, I have no doubt that somewhere there is someone uh, very George Soros-esque uh, behind the scenes that is just rubbing their hands and saying, good, good, as they see <laughs> us preparing to spin up action against one another if they see this about to boil over that that's really their goal that's their agenda because that is part of the plan of tearing down this republic they have to divide us they've been doing it with words they've been doing it with labels and now they're pushing it to the point where we're on the verge of full-on violence on the street in various pockets and it it feels to me like while part of it probably needs to be done because we can't just step back and and have Antifa running the streets. Another part of it feels like we're kind of just falling into the trap. Well, I see your point, and it's uh, pretty logical, but in the long run, I disagree. They may think and rub their their, their, their gnarly hands together and say, ah, good, 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 but we're already so divided as a nation. And it is um, – it's, it's inevitable, and the reason why it will happen is we won't be starting it. I can promise you that, but here's the, here's the rub, and history will back me up on this. The longer we take to fight back, the worse it will be whenever we do fight back yeah. because the other side has reached the point, the tipping point of no return unless they are stopped because they've been allowed to get away with so much for so long. It's like a habit for them. It's a way of life now for them. It's baked in They're breeding. It's in their DNA. And they brought up children into this effect. It didn't just, just start this year. It's been going on for a long time. It's just now they're more out in the open and they've got the media on their side. So they're emboldened. And I'm telling you, if something does not happen, if there's not an equal and opposite reaction soon, we will be running for our lives for, for a long time. And if they get one of their kind in the White House, like a Joe Biden, then we will really be in a hard place. Because if we don't fight back, they're still going to come after us. Kamala Harris already said, hey, we're coming after you uh, Trump supporters. She tweeted it. So 
um, while what you said is very logical and very and, and, and very I understand it totally. They're see they don't have any they don't have a percentage of common decency. Meaning that if we're not fighting back, okay, then that will look the, the nation won't be as divided and uh well, you know, eventually they'll back down. It's not gonna happen like that. They're like cockroaches, rats, diseases or whatever, unless they are fumigated, unless they are dealt with, they're just gonna keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Um, they're making videos about pedophilia, people on their side. I mean, they're coming at us in so many directions. I mean, I saw this video where this guy is rapping about Okay, pedophilia activities. Mm. This is how emboldened these these things are, and I call them things for a reason. Right. And if, like I said, we keep sitting around because we don't want to divide the nation. It's already divided, by the way. Uh, we don't want violence, but there's already violence. The only thing will happen is that all the violence will be one way, and we'll be the, on the receiving end on it. And so, right. um, ooh, Lord have mercy. I but get it, what you're saying, man. You're right, but doggone it. Yeah, I mean, we we want we prefer to reach everybody on the battlefield of ideas. Yes. Uh, let the marketplace decide. Again, uh, when you're dealing with Marxists, they don't like the marketplace. It doesn't uh, treat them well in any uh, metaphorical sense or literal one. But the real problem still comes back to the very basic problem, and that is law and order. Are we going to be a nation of laws? Are we going to see these laws enforced equally? Right now, it's very clear that there's a two-tier justice system. There is the average American, and then there is the leftist Marxist elite, uh, and – it doesn't matter what letter you stick at the end of your name. There are plenty of people that has an R stuck there that falls into that category just the same. Yes. So how do we reestablish law and order when people are unwilling, unable, or just too scared to do their jobs? Uh, again, I mentioned the Durham report. We, we went all the way from <laughs> there will be indictments to, well, now we don't want to release it now because it might look political, to now we may not see it at all because – of fear from blowback from a potential Biden administration. At what point do they not expect people to start taking the law into their own hands? Uh, how is it we can't en entrust the people who were supposed to be doing the job of enforcing the laws and protecting the public to do that very job? I, I'm still sitting here, and I come back a circle back around to a statement I made earlier about Fox News. At this point, Fox News ratings has dropped 40 percent. A lot of us has already been seeing that uh, slow change uh, as Rupert Murdoch was uh, having less day-to-day -day operational control anyway. But at the end of the day, I'm still left with the question of such a flip of the switch, uh, day and night change. Was that a result of fear? Is that a result of we have to join them because they've got this on lockdown? Uh, is there even a room for a conservative, Christian, law-abiding citizen in the republic if we don't make a major change and a course correction? Number one, they did not change out of fear. They changed out of, oh, finally we get to uh, 
show our real selves. That's what that was all about. There's no fear. Um, and it comes back to to getting to your question. The only way you're going to have law and order is that the lawless are afraid of the people that believe in law and order. And there's only two ways I know that you make people afraid. One, you beat them until they cannot fight back or they are faced with the ultimate uh, challenge called death. You have to put the fear of God in them. That's what that is the the, the cause of that is the uh, tool, the the reason for government. Well, government. Well, let, let let me ask you this then: Do you honestly believe that we're past the point where we can restore enough yeah. law and order that the actual fear of full legal consequences uh, that's you think we're too far gone for that? If we don't start fighting now we soon will be if biden gets into office and gets all that he wants to be done all the people in that he wants i think we it will be until that happens we can save the nation and and believe it or not you may sound think that i'm crazier than a bedbug but i still believe that joe biden will ultimately not get there then we will be in a position to fight back, to do what we have to do, where we have to do it, and we can and will get law and order back in this country. But first things first, we have to make sure that the communists do not take over through the Biden administration. That has to that's, – that's numero uno. And at the same time, those of us who believe in morality have to hunker down in our beliefs and teach this. Make sure that it is taught to the young. Make sure that we fight and make sure that, um, that these schools are cleaned up. Because even if um, – I'm sorry, even when Trump uh, continues his second, into a second term and good times will be had after the uh, rioters are put down and the, then the cities will be cleaned up and the economic, the economic situation will – improve and all that good stuff like it did remember how things went wonderful uh when reagan was in office i grew i was growing up i thought the world would be my oyster it was that decade was so good it was a great de- decade to be a young american but because there was not the follow through america went right back down and further Worse than she was during the Carter years. Yeah. yeah, and so that, and the older people were telling me that. Well, that that, that doesn't matter, Ron. We'll, we Democrats, we're going to take back back control, and uh, we'll get things back in the right in the right direction, in the way they, you know, in, in their direction. And that's exactly what happened. I was naive. I thought, oh no, Americans aren't stupid. This is so good. They don't. They won't want to let this go. They'll want to keep the prin- the principles intact so that uh, we'll continue to live this good life. This is great stuff. Opportunities of the wazoo, and, and it was just beautiful. But I was naive. I was young and naive, and I admit it. And we paid for it. Here we are. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think you're kind of hitting on a very important point, and that is America as a whole has generally had a bad habit of when things are bad, we pull together, we make things uh, work, we, we improve it, and then once things get good, we tend to – to loosen our grip on the reins a little bit, we tend to think that, nah, well, it's okay if if we do a little more of this or a little more of that. It'll be fine. We're in good shape right now. Uh, we can handle a little of that. And it's always a step too far before enough people turn around and say, okay, <laughs> we, we've gone too far. We need to right the ship. Uh, and it's been kind of a pattern uh, for this country probably – at least a couple of decades before World War One, maybe a little longer than that, but I don't think it was a constant cycle before that. And it's just I, I hate that this is where we're at right now, Ronnie. And I, there's nothing I can do to change it. I mean, you and I, neither one want. Americans fighting on the streets, and I, I am concerned that somebody might be listening, might be thinking, "Ah, oh, listen to these guys; they're talking it up." And that, and that's not really what we're doing. No. But we are discussing the fact that sometimes the only way you stop a bully is to to pop them square in the nose. And right now, Antifa is running around on the streets, classic bully activities. Uh, they're not they're not faring well when they go head to head against large groups, so they continue to target. Individuals, weaker people. They're they're literally the hyenas on the Serengeti right here. Yes, absolutely. And it is a crying shame, not that Antifa is running around being the hyenas on the Serengeti, but the fact that the American streets, any American street, has become that hunting ground for these weak, pitiful people who have to hunt in packs because not only is their ideology weak, but so is their resolve. They just have to keep talking each other up. Yeah, what, what was that last part? You broke up. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was just finishing up with the idea of uh, Antifa being weak. Yeah, uh, well, they well they are they are weak, uh, Antifa, and they're they're but they're and they're wicked. They're bullies. They're um, they're such a they're, they're such worms. Them and Black Lives Matter. And the, the most detestable thing uh, in this scenario is when you have – oh, boy, here I go again. Um, when you have white neighbors all around you, when they find out that you're against Black Lives Matter and Antifa and that you like Trump, they even put their they, – they even have their signs further out now and more of them. It's like – Skew you, Ron Edwards, and what you believe, which proves what I've known all all along: how racist liberal whites are. Now, and, and it's it's crazy because these people are successful, and yet they support entities that will liber- literally destroy this nation. And one of the main reasons why they support, especially Black Lives Matter. Is because Black Lives Matter was originally created to not so much destroy America, but to destroy the black man. Go back into the history of those evil black fem- witch females, and they are witches. They're not, you know, I'm not exaggerating. That's what their that's their belief system. Um, one of their first elements was to make sure that the black man is out of the home. 
then to destroy the nuclear family, then to destroy the country. Well, so you know, it's these people it, uh, that support that. That makes me think, holy mackerel, Andy. These white people really are racist, but they're liberals. They're Democrats, and the Democrat Party one of its one of its pillars is racism. So, I shouldn't be shocked, but it's still it's disappointing because they're still Americans, and for Americans to carry such a mindset that in the long run is detrimental to the country. Because we're all affected by how the country goes. When I consider their voters, you know, that's the part that's more disturbing than than the other stuff. I just bring up the, the race, racial issue because that's part of the belief system of uh, BLM. But uh, I look at the damage that these people are supporting. Yeah. Well, at, at the end of the day, Ron, it's a heck of a lot easier to destroy a republic if her family – uh, if our people are divided, and it's easier to divide our people if there are no families. If you if you can seriously look at uh, a gang as being more of a family than your blood ties, and sadly, a lot of young men grew up where that's the way they ended up feeling, for better or for worse. If you can look around and think that the government is better suited to take care of you than you are stepping up and taking care of yourself. If you have literally lived to the point that you have gone 20, 30 years of your life and never experienced the feeling of what it's like to be self-reliant, then you are easy pickings for the globalists who want to destroy our constitution and our republic. Ron, we are out of time. I hate it, but uh, we're going to have to say uh, goodbye for tonight, but we will get back together really soon, my friend. Thank you very much, and I always uh, appreciate Every time you ask me to come on, and um, that's why I show up, and uh, it's an honor, sir. You, you have a great show. Uh, you have a great, lot of great ideas, and again, I appreciate it. Godspeed to you and your audience. Thank you, sir, and uh, of course, right back at you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ron Edwards, host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, and uh, yeah, he does a few other things too. Be sure to visit theronedwards.com to find out everything he's up to. In the meanwhile, that's going to have to be it for this first hour if you're here live. Otherwise, if you're listening to the rebroadcast, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to tune in again, uh, most likely for most of you, tomorrow, same time. Same tap time, same tap channel, and please remember, whatever else you do, don't take my word for not one little bit of it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, be smart, even if it kind of goes against your nature. I'm out for now. Bye, y'all. Uh, meanwhile, if you're hanging out BTR, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. like a thousand years since we had real fears but the old ones won't forget these broken levee walls had a few close calls but they haven't fallen yet and you know the rain coming the rain coming all your days and all your
sun beats down and it bakes the ground. broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day, wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap Committee, live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, the chat room's got a few uh, a few folks in here with me tonight. Uh, a little busy for Wednesday night. Glad to see uh, everybody hanging out. We've got Bigfoot, blogger extraordinaire. Don't believe me? Well, fine. Don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself. You can find his work at bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. we got bringing a boy in the house uh, along with Suzette. Uh, Suzette uh, is a tremendous radio host herself. Uh, you can find Suzette live, part of the Ideas Are Bulletproof Network over at Spreaker.com. Highly recommend you check her out. Uh, we got Crazy Gadget in the house who's hanging out and uh, uh, making a few comments here and there and being active. Part of the show, always love it. We've got New Orleans Wake Up hanging out with us, and it uh, seems to be generally concerned about us this evening. And uh, actually, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you for uh, thank you for being concerned. Uh, he's uh, in here warning us about how the government's more than capable of setting people up and uh, uh, trying to make it seem like people are encouraging things. And uh, yeah, I, I get it. 
I get it. So uh, I appreciate your concern, sir. I do. Thank you. Uh, we've also got uh, Chief. He's the host of Simple Facts of Life, a great show in its own right. Uh, you can find him at blogtalkradio.com. Uh, that's blogtalkradio.com. You'll see a little search bar at the top of the homepage. You can just put in Simple Facts of Life, scroll down a little bit, you'll find the show. You can listen to the plethora of great shows and archives. Or, and this is the tricky part because it means you have to remember your schedules. You can join him live on Tuesdays starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You, of course, are more than capable of adjusting to your time zone accordingly. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. All right, so here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's another fun-filled, action-packed adventure here in 2020. And, uh, you know, it's showing no signs whatsoever of slowing down. None. Uh, it's just going to keep on and keep building up a crescendo, uh, and we'll see how things play out. I'm kind of hoping this is kind of like a Michael Crichton book. You know, the, the Michael Crichton novels. If you guys have read very many of them, then I'm sure you'll agree with my critique when uh, I say that Michael Crichton, great writer, very good writer, really good at building up and building up and building up. The problem is his finale, his final scenes always just kind of, from the great big buildup, almost fizzle to an end. <laughs> and so I'm kind of hoping that's what 2020 does. It's like we've had this buildup, this buildup, and then things will just kind of fizzle out and things will be good again. We'll just have – we'll return to normal and kind of be calm, and we can get back to the business of being Americans together uh, trying to make the world a better place kind of situation. Uh, and you know, maybe even get together and sing Kumbaya with a friend or two. Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, you know, we, we've got vaccines on the march. Uh, Tennessee, actually, my home state here, one of the states that's working closely with Pfizer, trying to help uh, move this out to the general uh, public, making it available. We'll see how the rollout works. Uh, they seem to have a pretty interesting plan. Uh, Chief in the chat room, I don't expect to... <laughs> to be live next Tuesday. There's a family thing going on at about that time. All right. So uh, Chief is announcing right here and now. If you're looking to join him live uh, next Tuesday, uh, maybe wait. Of course, you know, next Tuesday is Thanksgiving. Not next Tuesday, but next week is Thanksgiving. Can you believe we're already there that close? This this has been one crazy year. I mean, on the one hand, it's a year that has felt like nearly a decade into itself. But on the other hand, here we are nearly at the end of November. You know, we, we are literally just a smidge past the halfway point of this month. We are so very close to Thanksgiving, which is a holiday that a lot of people just try to skip over these days. And I have often lamented the fact that uh, we tend to just skip over Thanksgiving. Now, I've explained multiple times why it is that I believe that both the commercial uh, version of corporate America as well as a lot of the secularists like to just move past it. They like Halloween a lot because they get to sell a lot of candy, and there's a lot of costumes, and the kids get to dress up with all kinds of spooky stuff. They like Christmas a lot, not so much that they want you to think of the birth of Christ, but as much as they like to think, well, here's our chance to sell you a whole bunch of stuff as you're doing your gift-giving thing, even if you no longer believe in the primary reason why we give these gifts in the first place. But it's really hard to make Thanksgiving a secular holiday. 
Now, we are literally approaching the 400th year since the pilgrims first arrived in this country. It's a very special time. It would be really good for Americans to – especially Americans of faith to, to take a long, hard look at why the pilgrims came here and why – Freedom of expression of religion is one of the primary fundamental tenets of the founding of this nation. It would be a good time to possibly even enter personally into the covenant that the pilgrims made. This is a nation that has become rudderless. It's a nation that so-called leaders are – taking us into places where we no longer care about one another. We'd rather tear each other's throats out over a minor difference of opinion than to work maybe just a smidge, just a little bit, to find that common ground that we share with our fellow Americans. It's a time for reconciliation. It's a time for understanding that it's okay to have a difference of opinion. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It doesn't mean we have to be engaged in the end of civility. Civility is a choice. And I'm not talking about the false calls for civility after somebody thinks they've won an election. I'm not talking about the false calls for unity after somebody has just threatened to come after you and your supporters. Is anybody keeping a list? Is anybody taking screenshots? Talking about true, honest, one-on-one, face-to-face, person-to-person, and yes, if you have to do that within six feet, go ahead and put a mask on just so that some leftist political office holder doesn't send the police after you. But to do it in a way where we can start to build back some real connections. Most of us, most of us still have way more in common than we have different, but we've allowed politics to inject into us so much vitriol. I mean, you heard if if you were here for the first hour or if you're listening to the rebroadcast on one of the great radio stations that carries this show uh, possibly yesterday, you heard Ron and, and Ron Edwards is – very, very much to a point of frustration, and it shows, and he's not the only one. You will hear if you listen to conservative media outlets a lot of people who are so very frustrated. Frustration leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. Wait a minute. That's Yoda. Actually, there's a lot of wisdom in that little green guy. Because that much is true. There is reason to still believe that Joe Biden is not necessarily going to be president of the United States. Now, a lot of folks on the left don't want to believe that. A lot of folks on the media will call me a heretic and run screaming from that. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump is spending the money for the recount in Wisconsin. Every day in Georgia, they're finding more and more votes that weren't counted in the first place, with a majority of them going to Donald Trump. Pennsylvania has all kinds of craziness going on there, and if half 
of the claims that are being made by the lawyers that are pushing forward lawsuits on behalf of the Trump campaign pans out, then the electorate could very well be determined in a direction other than what the media has called. And if it doesn't play out that way, there could still be states that have not been able to certify their elections by that time. And the Electoral College, they have to vote on a certain day. If things aren't settled by then, guess what happens? The House of Representatives makes the call. Every state, one vote. And that too right now favors Donald Trump if every state votes in accordance with party politics, partisan politics, which is what you would expect. You can't always count on what you would expect. There are plenty of people that are already acquiescing to this tremendous amount of power and pressure that's being put on them by the body politic, by the legacy media, by everybody who wants to just say, hey, you know what? Let's just close the page. Let's just move forward. You know, that orange man who was bad, he was a big meanie anyway. He was a bit of a bully. We don't like bullies, even though we protect bullies on the street as long as they're on our side or as long as we think they're working for us. We may find out very soon, maybe not so much. We make no mistake about it. Right now, there are forces at work that want to see this nation pulled to shreds, and it has to be done from within. Ron kind of uh, mangled a little bit uh, back in the first hour the, the quote regarding why the Japanese did not want to invade mainland USA on the Pacific coast, and that's because they knew that there would be a rifle behind every blade of grass. People would not fare well if they attacked us from outside. So the forces that are attacking this nation, they have to do so from the shadows, and they have to make sure that we're the ones at each other's throats. Because as soon as we get the first whiff, the first hint that we're being manipulated, well, then all bets are off. We do live in a time where it seems like we are more divided than we have been since the days of the misnomer of the American Civil War. I say it's a misnomer because clearly a civil war is when you have two or more factions fighting over control of the same government. Uh, that's not what was actually happening in the American Civil War. <coughs> a modern civil war would be much more like… An actual civil war. There'd be various factions fighting for control, fighting for control of territories, fighting for control of governments, sometimes at the city level, sometimes at county level, sometimes even at the state level. But it wouldn't look like, okay, well, we're drawing a line at the Mason-Dixon, and it's north versus south, or uh, this time out maybe we decide it's east versus west. No, it wouldn't look like that. It would be far uglier. It would be… On the streets, and it would be nasty, and there would be large swaths of the country 
that might not see anything at all happen except on rare occasions, which would actually make that far more dangerous when it did happen. That's not what anybody should want, certainly not anything that's being called for. But if you don't recognize, if you don't understand that there is still this rise in temperature… That there is a large number of people who've been silent, who've been setting back, who have put up with being called names, who have been put up with being ignored, who have put up with not having the law work the same to protect them as it is apparently working to protect others, that eventually the elevation and the escalation continues to build, and so too does the anger and frustration, and when certain people have had enough… Then bad things happen, and it only takes a couple of people having a really bad day to set off something that expands wildly. My calls are for cooler temperatures, but we're not going to get that as long as we still have all of these political office holders who once again appear to be drunk on their own power, who keep issuing… Edicts as if they are not governors but kings of territories who want to pretend like your individual liberty doesn't matter. Ah, oh, this is a, a public safety issue. Well, your concern over public safety does not trump my freedom. There are certain things that you have control and authority over, but you can't mandate me to wear a mask 100% of the time. You can't mandate me to wear a mask the entirety of the time I'm in my home. If I'm not out anywhere where I'm running the potential risk of being exposed or exposing someone else to COVID, the flu, or whatever else might be traveling upon my person – I just couldn't think of anything clever to say right there. Sorry. If not, if I'm not at risk or posing a risk, you've got no authority over me, none. And the same thing is true for every other person. But every time somebody takes a step to claim that they do, and you just acquiesce, you just give in, you just roll over. Then suddenly they do have that power, and you're not just a step, but you're several steps away from having the freedom that was God-given to you. The government we have only has so much authority over you as much as you allow it to have. We all agreed. It's part of the social contract, right? We all agreed that this is how we would be governed, that this government would be for the people and by the people. We all agreed that uh, – thanks, Chief. <laughs> we, we all agreed that we would establish a constitutionally federated republic. That we would elect representatives to go to the House of Representatives and be our voice. That we 
would allow the states to select senators to, to operate on behalf of the interests of the states and states' rights in general. We agreed that we would vote for and send electorates to electoral college to select the chief executive and the commander-in-chief of our armed forces. We all agreed to these things a long time ago, and we agreed to it being set up the way it was then because that was the best way to prevent full-on tyranny for the longest amount of time. Sadly, as Benjamin Franklin quite eloquently put it, we knew from the beginning that tyranny would still rise. You have a republic, madam. Have a republic for as long as you can keep it. We started seeing the demise of states' rights as soon as we saw the end. Of the Senate being selected by states. Once that went to popular vote, well, states' rights was no longer a concern, was it? And the calls to end the Electoral College is, is also calls to end the protections that minority voices in this country were granted. Now, just because that minority voice doesn't represent minorities in the realm of Identity politics doesn't make it a protection of minorities any less. We have a multitude of different ways of life in this country. It's just frustrating to see… So much gaslighting by the legacy media. It's frustrating to see so many people saying things that are blatantly untrue and then turn around and act as if by calling them out that you're the one being dishonest. How dare you say that there's not a president-elect until the Electoral College has voted? Well, that typically, that's when you officially have a president-elect. I mean, the media can call the winner of the election on night one if they want to. They're the media. They can do whatever they want. Sadly, there's not even a legal expectation of honesty in media reports. We, we've had that made clear through our judicial system. But the media doesn't get to select who the president is. There has been zero, none, nada, no instances of voter fraud in this election, even though every day there's more instances of legitimate, intentional efforts of fraud discovered, many of which very small numbers, not enough to affect. But then there's also lots of things that are suspect. Potential errors, 
possibly intentional, but difficult to prove that. So I'm not going to make that assertion. I'm just going to say enough things happened to make it look awfully suspicious. I mean, if you're in Georgia and you find uh, a group of ballots that somehow was just left uncounted in one county, you think, okay, well, given how important this was, you would think they were paying more attention, but people can make legitimate, honest mistakes. I don't deem it being particularly likely, but it's within the realm of possibility. A little bit later, you find another group of ballots that was just left uncounted, and now you start to think, okay, once could have been an accident, twice could be a coincidence. Then you find a third, and now it's getting harder and harder to believe that it was strictly accidental. You hear all the things that you hear about the Dominion voting system, how their system was designed, who it was designed for, what it was designed to do, and that too raises questions. Sure, were, was that what they were doing here? Uh, again, we don't know, do we? But it's a legitimate question that should be asked and should be asked and should be investigated and should be discovered what part is true regardless of who wins, loses, what party, whatever. Because at the end of the day, we should want – both sides should want there to be no question about the results of an election. That's why we have the legal challenges available. That's why we have in the Constitution a description of how these elections will be carried out and what to do in the event that there is a belief that things were not above board. So why not let us ask the question? Why not let us point to what our questions are and see if we can't get to an honest answer? Why not, before certifying elections, audit the votes if there is reasonable grounds to do so? What's the harm in that? Why are so many people so quick to tell you you can't do that? Why are so many people so determined not to let you ask the question? Why is social media platforms so determined not to let you spread your concerns or share information that have led to concerns? Doesn't that in it of itself raise more questions? New Orleans in the chat room right now says that there is no evidence of voter fraud. Now, if you want to say there's no evidence of widespread systemic voter fraud, I might be willing to concede that there's not a lot of evidence pointing in that direction. But if you want to just flat out say there is no evidence of voter fraud at all, explain to me how dead people voted. Explain to me how multiple districts in swing states in swing counties uh, had more votes cast than they have eligible voters, and all those votes counted. 
Explain to me how it is that in an average year, uh, mail-in ballots typically have a 3% rejection rate. And this year, this year, very few states even had a tenth of a percentage of rejection. You want to tell me that more that many more people who aren't accustomed to voting by mail did so much of a better job of voting? Uh, yeah. Sorry, New Orleans. There is evidence of voter fraud. The question there is how much fraud and was it systemic? Is there enough fraud to overturn the election at this point? Given how close some of these election uh, spots were in the swing states, maybe. But again, you don't know till you audit and, and recount and do the full certification process the way it should be done. Answer the questions. Do not step back and pretend like uh, – <clears throat> uh, move along, everyone. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. That is unacceptable. All right, it is time for me to take the uh, a little bit of a break. And here in just a few minutes, I am scheduled to be joined by tonight's second hour guest. He is, of course, the author of The Christian Voter, Seven Non-Negotiables for Voting For, Not Against Your Values, as well as being a business owner, a marketing expert, an author and a speaker. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the other side of the break, I am scheduled to be joined by Mr. Craig Huey. So you guys stay right where you're at, and uh, on the other side of this very brief break, we will continue. So, you know, don't go anywhere. On January 25, 1974, Ronald Reagan gave his famous Shining City on a Hill speech. He was bitterly opposed to the dark, dim direction our nation was heading. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, time does not permit me to share the Gipper's entire message, but his most inspiring conclusion is itself a message for the ages. And I quote, We cannot escape our destiny, nor should we try to. The leadership of the free world was thrust upon us two centuries ago in that little hall of Philadelphia. In the days following World War II, when the economic strength and power of America was all that stood between the world and the return to the Dark Ages, Pope Pius XII said, The American people have great genius for splendid and unselfish actions. Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. We are indeed, we are today, the last best hope of mankind on earth. Today, our republic is embroiled in a war between those on the political left who literally want to recast her as one nation under China and mob rule. And today's re-founding fathers who seek to reestablish our exceptional nation way of life with true liberty and justice for all. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello and welcome to your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. So, are you getting too much or too little sleep to rest your brain? According to the National Sleep Foundation, too much sleep can be just as bad as too little sleep for you. Scientists think that about seven hours sleep is the optimum for refreshing the body. Here are some tips. Go to bed at the same time every day. Keep your bedroom cool and turn off the television. 
This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins. Late-nighters and WCET radio listeners around the world, listen up. The shop is here, and you can order WCET radio and your favorite shows, Swag, right now. And show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts, including our Stop the Censorship shirt. That one is a hot seller, so get yours while supplies last. We have coffee mugs, clocks, so you never miss your favorite shows, books, mouse pads, and more coming soon. Just go to WCETradio.com and click the shop link. That's WCETradio.com and get to shopping. I listen to WCET every day because it's the most tremendous radio station in America. You heard the man. Nothing better. WCET FM talk radio like no other. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and that is certainly true. WCET Radio is indeed talk radio like no other, because you're not going to find a talk radio station that covers the breadth of topics. Uh, Literally, if it is a genre of talk radio, there is a show on there somewhere. You just have to listen. Uh, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for staying with us through this very brief break. I see already on the line, so I'm just going to go ahead and bring him on. We have uh, the guest for this hour, uh, Mr. Craig A. Huey. Uh, Mr. Huey, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. I appreciate you uh, giving up part of your uh, time and uh, coming and uh, talking with the audience tonight. How are you doing? Great. And Tim, it's my honor. I'm glad to be able to talk to you. All right. Well, first and foremost, I, I want to make sure we want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about your uh, newest book, The Christian Voter. But before we get into that, uh, it is certainly the hot topic. It continues to be the hot topic. And uh, you have been vocal about this yourself. Uh, I, I myself, I'm sick of hearing People tell me that there is zero evidence of voter fraud. Uh, I'm afraid there's a lot of evidence of voter fraud. The real question is digging in and finding out how much and is it enough to overturn. That's a question that can only be answered by getting in there. But would love to give you a few minutes to expound your thoughts on the topic. Well, Tim, there's a lot of confusion out there about what voter fraud is. If you're listening to the the biased media, they say there's no voter fraud. They say that it, 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 it's uh, unsubstantiated. It's just not true, but it is. And um, let me just give you an example. Uh, one example is when I wrote my book, I wrote a book, I wrote in one of the chapters about how we registered a dog to vote. And we got the uh, vote by mail ballot for the dog at our office address. And then when I moved my office from California to Nashville, the vote-by-mail ballot followed us. Now, that is voter fraud if people do something like that. They can do something like that. There is a thing called ballot harvesting. And, Tim, ballot harvesting is probably what's going to cost the president his election if he doesn't prevail in the court. And and, uh, ballot harvesting is where one person can bring in 25, 50, 100, 500, 1,000 ballots. And it's legal in 29 states, illegal in about 16, and undefined in some of the others. 
and you know, Tim, most people don't understand how in the last couple of years, election law has changed so much, and it's to the advantage of the socialists and the Democrats because they know how to mobilize people. And when you talk about uh, ballot fraud and ballot harvesting, they go together. Um, ballot harvesting is not voter fraud, but it can lead to it. We have documentation. In fact, there's an indictment in Texas right now of someone who came to a retirement home and picked up about 100 ballots, filled them out, and turned them in. Now, normally that type of thing wouldn't be caught, but they were caught, and and and, and, and that would stop. But that's happening anywhere where there's ballot harvesting. You have a ballot harvester who will knock on the door. They have data as to that they would know. For example, Tim, let's say your number one issue was health care. They would know that. And they'd say, Tim, you know, our candidate, they agree with you on this health care issue. Can I count on your vote? And you say, yes. And then, okay, Tim, you know what? I'll help you fill out your ballot from president to city council. And you give me that ballot, and I'll take it in for you, and you have nothing to worry about because I'll get it there. You don't have to mail it. You don't have to go in there with COVID. I'll take care of it. And they hand them the ballot. And um, I have on my website, Tim, one of the ballot harvesters caught on a ring video. And they knock on the door eight different days because they want their data shows them one person, the kid, the daughter is a possible Democrat voter. They won't go to Republican households, conservative households, libertarian households, evangelical Christian households. They'll stay away from those. But they went to this one household for that one daughter, and the parents answered. And they didn't want to talk to the parents. They just wanted to get the ballot from the daughter. And so ballot harvesting, uh, when you see... Well, it started in California on steroids in 2018 when they passed the law allowing it, and the unions organized it. And you had seven congressmen went on election day, but they lost the day after, and they should not have lost at all. And the same thing with city council, assembly, other offices. They all lost after election day. And you take a look at President Trump. He wins on election day. He loses after election day. And that's the corruption of ballot harvesting. All right. You know, and again, it's not as if that's actually illegal in most places. In fact, I have a much bigger issue with the places where it's legal to engage in the practice of ballot curing. Or if they come across and see things that ordinarily would require you to reject the ballot because some piece of information is missing. Maybe uh, you didn't have your signature at the right place when they received it. A multitude of different things. And again, where that's legal, 
uh, it's a matter of being organized. And there were some instances in a couple of states this go around too where Democrats were prepared to take those, go out, and they felt comfortable in certain districts getting those corrected. And then in other counties that were majority Republican where they expected Republicans to vote, they expected Trump votes, they didn't go do that. And again, that's not fraud, but it feels very dirty. But at the end of the day, it's still a concerted effort. So that's the kind of things you're talking about there, but that still doesn't negate yeah. the fact that, oh yeah, by the way, animals, like you pointed out, uh, were able to uh, get the receipt. I happen to know a guy who moved to Tennessee two years ago from New York. Uh, I, I work with him, and uh, he told me that he still received his mail-in ballot from New York. Right. And it's like, hey, if yeah. I wanted to, I very easily could have voted twice. Uh, and uh, things of this nature do happen. The question is, is it enough to overturn? Um, and, and that's the important and, question, and there's and only the, one way to dig it. Go. That's right. And, and, and just think of this. It doesn't matter which state you're in. The voter rolls are what we call dirty, meaning that there's dead people on them. People have moved away. People get uh, multiple ballots. Uh, some households get four or five ballots. And so – when you have this in California, for example, 344,000 proven dead people and people who have moved away from a household got a ballot mailed to them. The universal mailing of the ballots opens up the ability of the ballot harvesters to do voter fraud, and, and they should never have voting at all where you don't have integrity in verifying who it is that's registered, who it is that's voted, and that these are clean rolls. And, you know, the, the, the foundation of our democratic republic is to have fair elections. That's what people around the world look at. And this, this whole attempt uh, to do the lawsuit, to pursue this, this could be one of President Trump's greatest legacies. To be able to say we're going to have fair elections in America, and and uh, he needs to pursue this. Whether he is able to prevail or not, we he's running out of time, and that's the problem. Uh, you know, the the electoral college meets on December 14th. The uh, different states uh, they're going to have to certify the elections. Uh, Georgia Friday it keeps going on. Uh, uh, all the Swing states all the way up uh, to, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think it's Wisconsin on December 1st. So basically, what you have is a clock that's ticking. And, and, and it's not a forgivable clock. He's got to be able to prove fraud. And if he doesn't, Tim, I'm hoping he continues this lawsuit. I'm hoping that the 2022 election will be fair and honest because it's not fair and honest in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the point you were making a minute ago about the uh, uh, voter rolls uh, being dirty, uh, meaning basically that there are people on them that shouldn't be there. Most states have laws uh, that require voters to be removed under certain circumstances, and we've seen in a lot of occasions where 
there's just not an effort made to do that. Uh, but worst of all, you know, it's one thing for somebody to find out that uh, their grandmother who passed uh, still has an active registration and try to take oh, advantage yeah. of it. It's another, it's another thing for somebody to actually uh, go and register a departed relative, uh, which there have been multiple cases of that too. Uh, they weren't That's registered right. before, but they got registered after they were de- – so yeah, there is some level of voter fraud that has been uh, taking place, and you're right. We definitely need to push in the full legal because the only thing that's going to stop people from trying to pursue these in much larger numbers later on down the road is to legitimately push this, catch the people that are doing it, and for consequences to have to be paid by guilty parties. Uh, before we run out of time, though, we really do need to talk about your new book. Uh, well, your newest <laughs> book, I should say. Uh, you are yeah. quite prolific. <laughs> uh, and I think it's a great topic for this time. Uh, I wish it had actually come out a little uh, earlier than uh, September right. uh, because Do- Donald Trump has actually been kind of a catalyst for the discussion about whether or not uh, Christians can really vote for a person with the character that Trump has had. Uh, and more concerned about the man he was in his younger days than the values he was bringing to the table now or looking at the other side and the values that they bring. But you ask the question here uh, – it leads to the question, I should say. How is it that you are able to vote for your values as opposed to vote against your values in order to get the guy you think is going to be the best choice? Well, I wrote this book because I took a look at conservative Catholics and evangelicals, and, and, and so many of them took a look at President Tw- uh, Trump's uh, Twitters, uh, his tweets. They took a look at some of his language. They looked at how he was acting. I was thinking, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with this, but I, I wanted everybody to be able to understand it's not so much that you feel totally comfortable with a person. Where do they stand on the issues? What are their policies? And so I outlined seven non-negotiables that anybody who's a person of faith has to stand by. Ones like pro-life, religious liberty, uh, protection of Israel, protection of the persecuted church. All these line up with President Trump and in total polar opposite with Joe Biden. And, and so – this book was designed for the average Christian to be able to see how to make sure they understand how to vote their values. And so uh, I'm glad it came out before the election. I'm glad people read it. But here's the thing. Two things happened this year. Four years ago, President Trump got 81% of the evangelical vote. This year he got 78%. Now that may not sound like much of a drop, you're talking about millions of votes in the key states. This could lose them the election. And so this book was designed to help Christians understand how to vote. Here's what most people don't know. $36 million was spent by Biden to go after and target evangelical Christians on TV, radio, direct mail, and a massive, sophisticated digital campaign and they divided their their intelligence of their data into those who were the what they call the persuadables those that could vote for biden that had previously either not voted or voted for trump 
And then the second category, the suppression. Who can we suppress? Who can we have not go out and vote? So this year we had less evangelicals vote, and we had less vote for Trump, more for Biden. Biden got more votes than, uh, from the evangelicals than well, Hillary Clinton did nothing with the evangelicals. Ob- Obama did a huge campaign for evangelicals. Biden did better, and, and he spent a lot of resources and money on that. Now, in Georgia, our nation's prosperity, survival, religious liberty, our, our whole thing with school choice, the whole thing with homeschooling, you name it, rides on the election in Georgia – to stop the Democrats from controlling the Senate and then the House and the presidency. And so we have a lot of a lot of people buying the book, The Christian Voter, and sending it uh, out to people in Georgia. We have a campaign to take this book and send it to every pastor, every youth leader, every church leader, and as many Christians as we can because – Tim, here's the thing in Georgia. The Democrats worked hard. They mobilized hard. They know who their voters are. They're not going to find a lot more. The Republicans did the same thing. They worked hard. They know who their people are. Now they've got this election for two senators coming up, and what they need to be able to do is find more votes. Well, how do they do that? Was the evangelical voters, evangelical voters who uh, 20 to 30 percent in any church are not registered to vote, and those who are registered, 30 to 40 percent who don't vote. And then you've got this, this percentage that was either, either suppressed or, or voted for Biden. They're the easiest voters to be able to sway. And so uh, Georgia is key to the next four years, uh, and Georgia is, is – is, is key as far as how the evangelicals are going to vote. So that's that's why I wrote this book because there's such a powerful voting block. Over 25% of the total vote are people who say that they're born again evangelical Christians. Yeah. Yeah, and in the state like Georgia, any deep southern state, uh, for example, faith uh, still makes up such a strong uh, part of the day-to-day life for a lot of people. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why some of the more secular parts of the country still tends to uh, kind of uh, poke fun at the South and still think of us as all a bunch of toothless hillbillies hanging around. And uh, I'm guessing since you moved to Nashville, you found out that's just not the case. <laughs> but uh, we 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 uh, we do see this. Let, let, let me mention this about the Southern voter and Southern voting bloc. These yeah. people that I discovered uh, from moving from California to, to Tennessee, these people really understand key values. They understand the importance of religious liberty. They understand the issues of life. They understand these issues. But here's the thing that breaks my heart, and that is, you know, I was listening uh, – the Tuesday before the election, Tim, I went to a mega church here in Tennessee. And then I went online to two mega churches to hear their services just before the election. 
out of those three services, not one pastor said there's an election. Not one pastor said go out and vote. Not one pastor instructed people how to vote for their values. Not one pastor told people how to make sure they don't vote against their values. And so basically what you have is the failure of the church pastors, the leadership, and the Christians that the next four years they're going to be under such intense attack on their core beliefs if they don't do something uh, uh, about this Georgia election. And that's why they need to pray. They need to donate. They need to volunteer to, to help out the campaigns uh, on, with texts and phone calls. Everybody who's listening, they can do something about this upcoming Georgia campaign. Yeah, and it it really is important, especially as a Christian, to be able to have uh, some type of a doorstop, uh, some type of a a, a clog in the uh, gears, if you will, to uh, slow down the very progressive ideology that's about to be pushed on the country otherwise. Uh, Craig, thank you so much again for joining us this evening. I I really do appreciate it. And uh, before we let you go, however, please let everybody know uh, where they can find all of your works. You're welcome to share websites and uh, any type of social media handles that you want to share as well. Uh, Just go ahead and throw everything out there that you whatever people need to do to find you and your work. Well, thanks, Tim. Well, uh, listen, I, I have a number of articles about the Electoral College, about this upcoming election, uh, election results, and about what's going on with fraud. They can all find it at craighuey.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-H-U-E-Y.com. And I also have information about my book, The Deep State, and about the Christian Voter and on my newsletter that uh, gives some unique information. So they're welcome to visit that, take a look, and check it out. All right, sir. Thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, I hope we get a chance to talk again uh, soon. I've really enjoyed our uh, conversation tonight, sir. That'd be awesome, Tim. I'd I'd be very glad to. Thank you. All right, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, is Mr. Craig Huey. Uh, granted, uh, I, uh, I I do think it's an interesting read. I think it's a, a good point. Uh, I do think Donald Trump uh, created a, a unique position to ask the question in regards to can Christians actually uh, vote for a, a man with the foibles of Donald Trump. But the truth of the matter is uh, everybody you've ever voted for has had some issues. Again, nobody's perfect. A lot of them were a lot better at hiding them, perhaps. Donald Trump was not in a position to hide them. He never had a cause to. So the evangelicals are welcome to do so. Uh, I've had a uh, a caller listening in uh, via Skype who's been hanging on the race their hand a little while ago. Uh, Sorry, I I don't take unsolicited calls via Skype, uh, so uh, I apologize for that, but I appreciate you listening. now, it, that's that's pretty much where we're at. This Georgia election is going to be really, really important, and the fact that faith is going to play a big part in this uh, upcoming Georgia election for the Senate uh, is at the forefront. 
it is a question of Christian values. And one of the candidates uh, running uh, has been a pastor of a church, although some of the clips of the sermons that I've heard uh, have gotten very political and have definitely pushed the notion, the idea uh, that Marxism and, and socialism is the answer to what ails America. Uh, the idea that he's going to hide behind religion, though, to try and convince people that, hey, if you're a good Christian, you should vote for me, uh, it concerns me, as well it should, which is why it more so than ever, if you see yourself as being a Christian, you really need to better familiarize yourself with how do you vote for your Christian values. So that makes this a great uh, book to pick up if you haven't uh, gotten a copy, and uh, be sure to visit the website. In the meanwhile, that's going to have to be it for me tonight, guys. Uh, I do appreciate the conversation, and um, before I uh, – uh, sign off, though, which I was about to do. I did want to share something that uh, Bringing It Boy uh, had uh, shared in the chat room. He said that uh, Suzette had trained to work the polls in this election. Uh, she passed her training, and she was just waiting uh, for uh, to find out what location she was going to be working. Uh, and she was waiting and waiting. It got to be about a week before the election, and she was starting to get concerned, so she ended up uh, having to reach out and contacting them to find out what was going on. And uh, they told her that uh, she was going to be a reserve worker, you know, just in case someone else couldn't work. And um, it seems as though some of the folks there probably found out that she's a bit more conservative than the folks they wanted watching polls out in the great state of California. Uh, working the polls, watching the polls, all of that, ah, nothing to see here. Just keep moving along. Move along, move along, nothing to see here. All right. Uh, again, uh, thanks to everybody who called and were listening, and thanks to everybody hanging out in the chat room. Uh, that includes uh, Bigfoot, Brigitte Boy, and Suzette. New Orleans Wake Up uh, stayed with us the rest of the show after he uh, joined us. And uh, Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, Crazy Cajun, uh, ducked out a little early. And uh, thanks to all you guys who are listening to me right now, wherever you're listening. And again, let me remind you, whatever else you take away from this show, do not believe a single word I told you without checking something for yourself. After all, if you just take my word for it, then how do you really know? Be sure to do your own research, and more importantly than anything else you can do, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, you guys stay safe out there, and uh, stay healthy if you can, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it kind of goes against your nature. I'm out for now. I'll see you Friday night live. In the meanwhile, have a great rest of your week. Just a
Using both hands. 